Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hey, everybody. The Pro Bowl vote is here. And awesome Pro Bowl starts with awesome players. And your vote helps decides who gets a spot on the AFC and NFC rosters. So show your love, cast your vote, and make sure your favorite players make it to the 2020 Pro Bowl. Vote today and be entered to win exclusive prizes at NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. The Around the NFL podcast. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. You're supporting the troops, money. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I think that's a very uh, healthy thing to just circle back to maybe every other week. What am I doing with my life? Every other week. Hourly. <laughs> every night before bed. Uh, Wes, how you doing, buddy? You, you're a trooper. We got a text from you earlier this morning that you were had all sorts of medical issues you were dealing with, um, and yet you're here, grinding. Yeah, I went to uh, my cancer doctor yesterday. My scans are, to quote him, beautiful, just beautiful. Woo! Excellent, excellent. Party music. Nice. But I've come down with a, a bad cold, and it's Ooh. made worse by a hiatal hernia that I've been dealing with as an after effect of the surgery. Is that in the butt? No. <laughs> it's in the esophagus, stomach, oh. diaphragm region. <laughs> Why did you need to go there with the diagnosis? Because I'm not a doctor, so I didn't know what that meant, but... I just had a hunch. You know, like I'm, I was watching Jeopardy. Jeopardy James is back with the Tournament of Champions. And sometimes you just blurt out the first thing that comes to your mind, and it's right. I thought that was about the butt. It was wrong, because you're usually wrong. On Strangely, almost always with Dan, the first thing that comes out of to his mind is the butt. Our hernies, <laughs> hernias usually are not associated with the butt, I wouldn't think. I thought you said hiney. Hiatal. Oh. Um, <laughs> so you're hanging in there, buddy. Wow. Gonna... And you are – that's leadership. Yeah, deal with my hiney hernia. (laughs) (laughs) A lot happening right out of the gate. Uh, You're a warrior. That's that's what I would call you. Thank you. Uh, Today's show, good one. Uh, We are going to dig into the news and catch up on the uh, big Colin Kaepernick news. Also, a NFL owner speaks out. He's getting impatient. And the GOAT, Greg as you refer to him, as many others. Number 12, he's uh, unhappy, a little bit upset. We'll get into that. Um, speaking of unhappy and upset, we're bringing it back, maybe for one show only. Stick a fork in him. Reboot. And, Greg, I know, th- why don't you use the floor here to share your <laughs> what floor? A rambling soliloquy. You well, the gave. floor you were using you, downstairs. You delivered to, to Mark and I, um, you know, that this was killed. Well, yeah, you said, though, that the hook this time is if if we get any wrong, we're going to kill it. And I said that was the hook. That was the hook when <laughs> you, we killed it, you right? Seen, Greg, Greg, you heard like a drawer open up and he pulled out his notes and he was like reading almost like some type of like stenographer's notes from seven years ago in the newsroom. We didn't remember that, Mark, and I. No. We thought it was what the rules were, were if we got any teams wrong. And, and if you're newer to the show, 
when you stick a fork in a team, if uh, we declare that team has no chance of making the playoffs, their season is effectively over. If they if they come back to make the playoffs, uh, we would then and Greg. Well, Greg would do it because uh, he was the boss at the time. He would make a charitable donation to that the team city. Yeah, we did on do that. The behalf of the. I podcast. think we got. It, I think we did it three or four years, and we were we. Oh, there was only one year that we actually got right. We yes. were wrong in, in all the rest. And you guys were annoyed that year, I remember, too, because we played it too safe. I know. I think it makes sense now. This is, what, our seventh season together? It's kind of <laughs> like the seventh season of, you know, Friends or any long-running sitcom. It's like, hey, what's that idea we had back in season two that people like? Like, let's circle back to that. You like, have the receipts for those charitable contributions? Yeah, I'd like to see Yeah, that. I don't remember receipts. tracking that effectively. That, that actually I happened. I do remember. It was I want always, open it was up always, your financials, Greg. It was always the Red Cross. <laughs> it's always the Red Cross in conversation. We'll go to the I'm Supreme sure. Court if we have to to get these financials <laughs> cracked for Greg. Um, no, this is we've, – we've also talked about this before, Greg. We've done, done too many of these shows. This is what, like introducing the stepchild that's five years old and, you know, precocious on a sitcom. In like right. season seven, about episode one hundred, some of the kids originally in the show are in puberty at this point, and it's not as cute. Not to be confused to with Young Sheldon, which was just that's a whole separate. That's a great right. idea. That's raging. That's, that's raging on. Bring in the ginger. I always, cross your fingers. Well, you. It's, that's what this is. They do. There must be some perfect science behind all that because you hire these kids when they're like four or five. How do you know they're not going to grow up to look hideously un? It happens. Sometimes. It's it's happened. I, Typically not, though. I mean, it, like some of these child actors grow up looking. Now, then they, they leave acting and they get arrested and they have like face tattoos and stuff. But yeah, We're going to replace you with Ted McGinley to save the show. <laughs> anyway, Greg, um, just make one promise. That's all, Greg, that you will, you will play the stick of, stick of fork in a game I'll today in good faith. Absolutely. I always I, that was I always played it, you know, the way I wanted to play it. I don't, I don't think you would uh, submarine the game, but but now I have your word on it. Thursday night football preview, Indy at Houston. Ooh, that's a good one with huge ramifications in the AFC South. Uh, But before we do that, let's close out week 11 with a little Monday night football. 24 segundos. Yes. Espanol. Squiggly over the end. Hay que bloquear a Juan Clara, el 55. Por fuera le llegan. Rivers. No puede ser. Interceptado por Sorensen de nueva cuenta. Cuarta intercepción del partido que lanza Philip Rivers. Fourth interception by Philip Rivers. You're fluent. Fluent. <laughs> that was great. Do we know who called that, Ricky? People that know Spanish with the call. <laughs> From Mexico City. Philip Rivers intercepted by a ball hawk. Chiefs defense four times. And the Chiefs hold on 24-17 over the Chargers at Arrakis Azteca Stadium. Site of some of the great soccer matches in the history of the sport. You've got the accent down. I'll give you that. Espanol Azteca. Estadio. Estadio Azteca. Estadio Azteca. Um, Yeah. So... (laughs) This was a game uh, where you expected, uh, you know, big scoring potentially. Patrick Mahomes against Philip Rivers. It didn't work out that way because, first of all, the Chiefs barely had the ball. It felt like in the first half, and the Chargers went up and down the field and did what the Chargers do. Chargers going to charge or found ways to kick away multiple scoring opportunities. Greg in the first half, um, the Chiefs go on a roll. They get ahead. The Chargers battle back. 
but Rivers kept on making mistakes, and you wonder if this is a game you remember as kind of the beginning of the end of the Philip Rivers era in uh, Chargers land. It's been a tough year for Philip Rivers. You know, he's had terrible protection, which has been the case for most of his career, especially this week. You know, you're without both starting tackles. You have a third-round pick, Trey Pipkins, who they he tried to almost refuse to play early in the season. He's getting destroyed by Frank Clark. But ultimately, Rivers has made too many of those big-time mistakes each week. There's been one or two plays each week for Rivers that uh, has really put his team in a tough spot. And this was a game where his defense played lights out and really gave the Chargers offense. So you can blame Rivers. You can blame the play calling. Everything about the Chargers offense failed. And it's so Chargers because for most of the year, the offense was carrying them. And so whenever like one side of the ball plays well, the other doesn't. They had the ball within, I think, the 30-yard line four times in the first half. And they had you know six or nine points. And they, they just could not uh, make the big play when they needed to. Yeah, I thought up until that, Packers game through that Packers game he was playing well despite having the two worst set of tackles in the league blocking for him and then the last two weeks it's mostly on him last night was mostly on him Frank Clark beat Trey Pipkins on that strip sack that might have been ruled an interception it was Um, but other than that I thought it was on Phillip Rivers I saw a guy struggling to complete throws that coming from Phillip Rivers it was kind of stunning and shocking to watch. And I mean, we all kind of have been through this journey with aging quarterbacks, and it's not the same. Had some beauties, though, too. He did at like, the end. Really nice He did throws. at the end, but there were still just certain plays where you can just see something shifting with Phillip Rivers. And it's not the final season of Brett Favre, which was incredibly painful to watch over those final five or six games. But you just when these quarterbacks hit the end, sometimes – it happens fast and it happens quick. And, you know, we hear from Steve Weish that the Chargers certainly are a team that, you know, the mindset will soon become we need to think about this position. And they've thought about it in years past, too. He also, he got credited with for a little bit unfair on the strip sack to hit him with the interception. But then he also threw up a balloon uh, that was should have been intercepted but was lost in the lights by Honey Badger, I believe. Uh, so it was just that type of game. Where well, that was that was actually that's a great example though. That was one where that's to me that's not on Rivers. They got they got that was another play where Frank Clark beat Pipkins in two and a half seconds. And even Rivers when he got to the back of his drop, it looked like maybe Pipkins had a chance. And Clark beat him so fast that you you can't even like account for that. And he hits his arm. Right, well, and it gets picked off. But he's not playing. He's not playing. He well. is, Did you not see throws from Rivers that were? problematic in that game? Of course. He has 14 interceptions, which is second only to Jameis Winston in the league this year. His QBR is 46, which ranks 23rd amongst quarterbacks. It is, he's always been kind of a throwback guy, and maybe he is, like, you know, he's not the type of guy that's going to be able to play until he's 40. He's more like what most NFL quarterbacks were for 50 years, that once you get to 37, 38, like Eli Manning, like so many, Peyton Manning, he needs protection. become washed. I mean, he's a, he's a quarterback especially that needs pass protection. you got to give the Chiefs defense credit, though. Even though they did give up 300 yards in the first half, this is a top-five pass defense, according to Football Outsiders. They've made a lot of plays on the ball all year. They've been a tough team to throw against. That's why I'm surprised the Chargers didn't run more uh, throughout the game because they they were making hay when they wanted to run. And yet everything about 
you know, Rivers, that's the conversation after the game. To me, it's secondary. We can kind of stick a fork in them. I'm sure we will later. They're done for the year. To me, my biggest takeaway is what's up with the Chiefs offense? That's the worst game I've ever seen out of Patrick Mahomes uh, in terms of a Patrick Mahomes Chiefs offense. And every week when you think they're finally turning it around, then they lose Tyreek Hill right away. They lose Damian Williams right away. And they can't get anything going. They punted four times in the fourth quarter. It was a disastrous fourth quarter where the only thing they could do was get Mahomes to scramble for a first down or else they had no answers, which was to me was shocking was to see. He was their leading rusher. It was game. shocking to see. They can't the Chiefs. keep a running back healthy and with a hot hand. I, I thought one of the great signs for the Chiefs was that Mahomes looked good scrambling. Yep. He looked like normal Patrick Mahomes, and some of those throws he made to Travis Kelsey were beautiful, but but Greg's right. That was not one of the better Patrick Mahomes it, games. It doesn't help that someone like Sammy Watkins essentially refuses to step up when a Tyreek Hill is off the field. <laughs> I won't do it. Well, they were well, so – maybe mean, it was Mexico. You know, they were just so conservative. I'm just saying this is one of the great offenses we've ever seen, and I'm not used to seeing long stretches, which is the first three or four drives of the game and then the last four drives of the game where they just do absolutely nothing. And they're not playing the 85 Bears here. Let me do the half glass full. They had every excuse there laid out to find a way to lose that game on the road in Mexico City. Uh, Mahomes throws for the fewest amount of yards, 182, than he's ever had in a game that he finished. Uh, you had – as we said, Tyreek Hill went out. Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy leaves with a concussion. Field was a problem for both Field teams, was a mess. but you couldn't go side to side. And they found a way, and they did it because their defense, um, like you said, with Frank Clark and the secondary making plays. So it's good to see that this team could win sometimes when they don't have everything clicking on offense, which they didn't. I think that's fair. They are, I think, a more complete team defensively than they were a year ago. And that was certainly Clark's best game of the year. He's been coming on. He did not start the season well, but he's been coming on. He had a bad nerve issue in his neck that was affecting the way he was playing. And to your point, Mark, Sammy Watkins, yeah, he's the greatest tease of the decade, I think, in terms of the wide receiver position. Wait, he made, he made at least one play last no, it, he, but he was supposed It wasn't a zero across the box score, but it's like yeah. you'd like to see it, when they have Tyreek Hill, when they have Kelsey, and when they have a one running back plugged in and making huge plays, which you've seen a couple times, they're unstoppable. But when, when right. you're leaning on one of the three, you're in and, hot water. And Travis Kelsey, after a quiet first half, he had a monster second half. You kind of need your big guys to step up Some of those when throws were amazing. And, and part of it is – Listening to the players after the game, I mean they they're dying. I mean the, the oh you could the, tell the elevation just yeah. changes that game for everyone. And I don't know if it was because the Chargers you know practiced in Colorado or not, but they did come out in the first half and they were running the Chiefs up and down the field. Wes and I locked that game, and I I thought they Ooh. the Chiefs do not be- deserve to be in this game at halftime. They were given a lot of. Uh, chances by a sloppy Chargers team, and that's why you pick against the Chargers. But the, the, the Chiefs had a chance to get run out of the building in the first half, and it just didn't happen. That's another sweep for the heroes in the picks. We're, we're starting to get We're on fire. As a I would bet we're around a 700 percentage in the last month or so. So, progress. Yeah. The way a team surges, you know, close to Thanksgiving and yeah. after, that is what this team is doing. <laughs> it's Patriots-esque what we're doing right now with our picks. Uh, any other thoughts on the game, gentlemen? I have a long, long... No, I'm just kidding. Great timing for the Chiefs, by the way. Even if things don't seem like they're clicking for this team, and maybe this isn't the year, maybe it is, who knows, but perfect timing for this bye. You have all these You're guys right. oh, yeah. up, and then when they come out of the bye, they get the Raiders. So. And then they get the Patriots. So they they have a really interesting schedule. And I think Tyreek's, Tyreek Hill's health, I think they were cautious with him knowing they had the bye coming in these big games because 
he's not a Jenga piece because they can still run their offense, but they are just not the same without him. What happened to the September version of Demarcus Robinson? Right. He's disappeared. They were so conservative. I mean, I, I've never I've never wanted to criticize Andy Reid for being conservative, but the play calling at the end of the game, they were just counting on their defense to win it. They were ca- they were expecting Phillip Rivers to give them the game, and ultimately they were right. You ever had altitude sickness, like flown into a mountain town? You c- it's not fun. Maybe that's what was happening to some of these players. Mountain town. Dark, do you have something to add? <laughs> yeah, I just – I just wanted to hear more about you thought that they were taking it easy with Tyreek Hill because of the injury going into the bye. Mm. So you're just con- I just wanted to know your thoughts about the injury. I, I should I should be speculating. That. I don't really know. I'm just saying he's sit standing there on the sideline the whole game. Yeah, a little different. Yeah, I'm not saying what they should or shouldn't do. Trust right. the, trust the medical medical staff, right? Yeah. yeah so they, I guess they told him sit on the sit on the sideline. <laughs> okay, cool. Just wanted to clarify. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to the news. And so the main character. Is to this new mind, greater, greater mind, a mind that yet is to be. All right, so we mentioned Colin Kaepernick, uh, his workout scheduled a week ago today for Saturday on short notice. Kaepernick was given short notice. Everybody's given short notice. Uh, Teams invited, many teams showed up to Flowery Branch, where the Falcons' practice facility is. Uh, Shortly before it was set to begin on Saturday, Kaepernick's team announces, no, we're not going to do it here. Uh, We're uncomfortable with the waiver we were being asked to sign, uh, some of the legalities of it. We're not uh, kosher to us, so we're going 60 miles south uh, to a high school field and and hosting our practice uh, and uh, hosting the workout. They wanted it to be more visible to the to the public, which the NFL had it closed uh, to the media. Their their planned uh, event at the Falcons facility, uh, the workout. As we're told, uh, most people that were there said that he looked good. Streamed on YouTube. Streamed on YouTube. Still watch it. His arm strength is still there. He looked big. Um, some others saw a guy that was more average, not a not a standout guy, but somebody that could probably play in the NFL. And then Kaepernick, who. In all of this, over three years since this whole process uh, that began, of course, when he kneeled uh, during the national anthem as a member of the 49ers to protest social injustices and police brutality, to now you've almost never heard from him outside of Nike commercials or or whatever. Well, he speeches, yeah, speeches here and there, but he's been very much out of the spotlight in terms of as a speaker. He spoke uh, to the assembled media at the high school. Here's a little bit of it. Start by saying, I appreciate y'all coming out. That means a lot to me. Our biggest thing with everything today was making sure we had transparency in what went on. We weren't getting that elsewhere, so we came out here. It's important that y'all are here. Y'all been attacked for the last three years. Y'all continue to be attacked. We appreciate what y'all do. We appreciate you being here today. We appreciate the work you do for the people and telling the truth. That's what we want in everything. I've been ready for three years. I've been denied for three years. We all know why I came out here, showed it today in front of everybody. We have nothing to hide. So we're waiting for the 32 owners, the 32 teams, Roger Goodell, all of them to stop running. Stop running from the truth. Stop running from the people. We're out here. We're ready to play. We're ready to go anywhere. My agent, Jeff Nally, is ready to talk to any team. I'll interview with any team at any time. I've been ready. I'm staying ready. And I'll continue to be ready. It's all the people that came out here today to support. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. To the people that aren't here, I'm thinking of you. I appreciate you supporting from where you are. 
We'll continue to give you updates as we hear. We'll be waiting to hear from Roger Goodell, the NFL, the 32 teams. We'll let you know if we hear from them. Ball's in their court. We're ready to go. All right, so a lot to unpack here. And as you imagine, even when, right when it was announced, you knew this is going to be fireworks over the weekend. What's going to happen? It, will, it, it felt like a very slim chance, Greg, that it would go uh, exactly to plan or what the NFL's version of the plan was, and it certainly did not. What was your kind of takeaway from from the whole thing? Well, I'm an optimist, and I – Despite all the confusion of everything that happened and the understandable skepticism uh, on both, you know, Kaepernick's side about the NFL and really the public side about like what what is going on uh, with this, I thought, well, maybe this maybe this has a happy ending. Like I'm an optimist that's thinking maybe he is back in the league at some point, which I think would be a great thing uh, for him and, and for everybody. And I come away from this weekend feeling like there's less of a chance than that than when I than going into the weekend. So that to me that's that's disappointing because you know, you, you thought, okay, maybe there's there's a, a chance here. And I actually was mildly impressed or surprised that eight teams went to the the separate workout. Sixty miles so, away. So that so some scouts went and, and watched them. I thought David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, had an interesting comment. Um, you know, he of course signed Eric Reed. They, the Panthers were not one of the teams that even sent the team to Atlanta. And he said, "Look, we if if we wanted to sign him, we would sign him. And if we did want to sign him, we just have him to a private workout. We felt no need to go to that. So that's like another perspective of it. But after everything that happened, it shouldn't be too surprising. But I feel like there's less of a chance than ever that the Kaepernick's back in the league. It, to me, the the thing that sticks out is the timing." And the planning, and it, it, they created the controversy with the whole the way the whole thing was staged, in the sense that you have Steve Weiss reporting that there were high-ranking people within the league office that had no idea this workout was happening until it was announced on Tuesday. That obviously teams did not until the email landed. And to me, it's counter to how the NFL plans essentially everything, which is extremely lead up heavy with a lot of notice and even something like a workout, you're asking people, we already talked about the fact that it didn't happen on the off Tuesday. It happened on a Saturday, which is an awkward time to have teams ship people out to a second location. And that there's a lot of other with the waiver that Kaepernick was asked to sign going on with that. that right. Like there's a lot confusion. of hot takes about the waiver. And I feel like you need a law degree to break it down. And I read a couple of you know, articles, Brian uh, McCann on Sports Illustrated and Mike Florio wrote about it and they explained it better. Like, I don't, I don't even feel like having an opinion, you know, like being informed enough to talk about that, but it, I guess I understood why he decided to do it as he did it. And it doesn't seem like it would, you know, totally mean that no owner could just make a decision down the line. It just felt doomed from the very start. It, It felt from the time of the announcement, and then when Saturday, when you heard that there was there was a catch here, that was all expected because I my one thought about the whole thing, and I I'm, you see it from both sides, and you see there's distrust from Ka- Kaepernick's camp toward the NFL, and perhaps likewise based on the way this was all planned out. Um, I, my 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 general thought is that I came out of this thinking because of the way it was set up that Kaepernick's mindset was almost more. I'm not going to let the NFL dictate the terms of what this is. I'm going to show them that I'm in control of this situation. This is my story, and I'm going to tell it the way I want to tell it. 
and perhaps, and I'm not even saying this is the wrong thing for him, his mindset because he's been through a lot over the last three years. Perhaps he, he put that, uh, a war, if you will, with the NFL ahead of actually trying to get hired to play football because there are people out there that took out of this. Uh, ESPN Stephen A. Smith was a very vocal person in, on this front that – it, this all felt like just a total PR move by Kaepernick and a show that he put on to to be in the be in the media and and stay as a, a figure, you know, wearing the Kunta Kinte shirt and uh, you know the big statement to the press. All that stuff felt like a show more than actual guy trying to get hired. Um, but that's my feeling is it's just so doomed that there's too much mistrust on both sides for this ever to end with him getting work again. I don't think he plays again. I don't think anything changed. In fact, I think it's worse off than it was a week ago. I thought all along the number one hurdle is you cannot force a team to believe a free agent is worth signing. No team thinks he's worth signing. Uh, And along with Greg, I've had some level of optimism before the change of venue that some leader among the coaches, among the GMs, some leader out there says, I'll take the disruption to my routine. These people being strong creatures of habit during a football season, I'll take it on me to change my routine, to have that disruption during the week. I'll go on a limb and do it. And then he changed the venue, made it a headache for everyone. And I don't see any point where someone's going to say, this guy is worth signing. He, To me, he's even less worth signing now after what happened with that. Well, I I think what, should inform all of this is something, you know, people are like, well, what changed? You know, he's been out of the league for three years. Well, here's what changed. The NFL and Colin Kaepernick agreed to a settlement that in a case where the NFL was being alleged to collude against providing him employment. That's what happened this year. So I don't know why it happened this weekend versus some other time during this year, but that to me informs everything between these two sides. Like that, I mean, there's, there is no other player like people like, well, could other veterans like there is no other player like Colin Kaepernick in the history of the NFL. You're not just signing an, another backup quarterback. You know, he's going to he's going to be Colin Kaepernick. He, that's who you would be signing up for. What's not changed, though, is that you have 32 owners and I this is just my personal belief. There isn't one among them right now that wants the distraction and the sponsorship hit and other things to come along with bringing Colin Kaepernick in at this point, who's not a starting quarterback necessarily. There are a lot of coaches that are not going to want to go fight that battle with their own owner. If it was going to happen, it would happen when, to me in the offseason when the rosters are 90 men and things are just a little But that's what made the different. timing so strange Yeah, different, I think, than, than right now. Who even needs a backup quarterback right now where they're going to go make this burning the Houston, headline? The Houston Texans? Well, I mean, they, you saw A.J. McCarron in a game last week. Um, all right, let's move on. We mentioned uh, David Tepper. He's the Panthers owner. And he uh, spoke on Monday after the team's uh, loss to the Falcons, an ugly loss, 29-3, to um, that dropped the Panthers to 5-5, five and five, their second straight loss. There's also, um, you know, a really bad loss to the Niners that's really kind of put into focus. Uh, that this is kind of a team that might be mediocre. And David Tepper, the owner uh, who bought the team a couple of years ago, uh, told reporters that his mood is, to use his word, every time they lose. And he added that he does not want to have a mediocre team. Mediocrity is not what he wants the Panthers to be associated with. It's been that way for too much of the team's history. Um, Mark, what did you take out of these comments? He also left the door open for 
um, Cam Newton remaining with the team. But this does sound like a guy now that he's got his, you know, his feet on the ground with this job that might be ready to make some noise. I think David Tepper is one of the new wave of owners who is going uh, to come from a different place than some others. And this is the moment where in a season with a, a team that's been swirling in questions about what will happen with Ron Rivera. Oh, and now everyone just assumes Cam Newton's out the door. The owner saying, I don't speak much, but when I do, I'm going to remind you that everyone here serves, as they say in the White House, at the pleasure of the owner of this company. And he was a very active business owner. And, you know, you have these guys that buy teams as a plaything to invite their friends to and sit up in the box, and they want nothing to do with the football side. David Tepper has never struck me as that at all. He is hands-on, now not in a necessarily meddlesome way, but in a way where he he knows, has his own strong opinions about what he's observed with Ron Rivera, where the team's at right now, and certainly on the Cam Newton front saying, no one's going to tell me what happens mm. with Cam Newton. I'm going to tell you. Ooh, Yeah, yeah. he might have been sending a, a message there of how these reports get out, re- reading between the lines. He did you know, clean house immediately with the Panthers on the business side of things. So mm. we, you know, it's not something that we cover, but he, he changed – out a lot of people brought in his own people and the continued mediocrity line is the one that apparently he hit multiple times during the interview and it reminded me that the Panthers have never had winning consecutive winning seasons in the history of their franchise which includes the nine years Ron Rivera has been there he's gone win you know winning season losing season basically every year since 2012 after starting with two straight losing seasons and that spells trouble you know, because it's not like Rivera's defense is is playing sensationally. These comments alone make me just believe that mm-hmm. Herney and Rivera are gonna be gone unless they you know win six straight games here. Also makes me think Kyle Allen will not be the quarterback because what is he if not mediocrity? Well, yeah. At no point have I yeah I've li- I liked watching Kyle Allen, but I thought his best case scenario is competing with someone that probably has a better chance to be the starter right. next year. Uh, in other news, the New England Patriots beat the uh, Eagles 17-10, a game where their defense stepped up and shut down Carson Wentz and company. We, you know, things move very quick for us on Sunday uh, into Sunday night when we tape our show. So I didn't, I didn't see, I don't know if you guys did, I didn't even see the, the Brady comments, but they, it became a story on Monday about how dejected he was uh, after the game, upset about the play of the offense uh, so far this season. Uh, Ricky, do we have a little bit of that? Up and down, that's what it looks like to me. So, yeah, we probably do everything better. Yeah, well, we just played for three hours, so I think everyone's a little tired. And then they uh, also asked him, uh, what does he think will get the offense on track? I don't think it matters what I think. That's what we do. And then he's on the uh, radio the next day uh, doing one of his spots on the Greg Hill show. That I didn't know that's a thing he does. Uh, he said, the strength of our team is our defense and special teams, uh, which I don't know, Mark, does it feel like we're this is a rope-a-dope situation or do you think he really is? Un, un, is this maybe a, a pay, late period Peyton Manning thing where I'm I'm passing the torch on what makes this team special? What What's going on? Break it down for me, Mark, as only you can. Please, Mark. I mean, when the Tom, floor is yours. The few times you get Tom Brady to get this agitated – I don't like the next team coming in to play the Patriots. Typically, I, I this is. But is it is this still is this different than all the other years? Because I don't. I don't think it's get crazy. any different at it all. Feels a little no. different this year. Well, I, it, you, it, it, I don't. 
to me, it's factually different that their efficiency and their offensive production is average for the first time in 16, 17 years. So when he spoke on Monday, I did listen to that too, and his tone was much different. On the you Greg know, Hill show? On the Greg How Hill was that program, by the way? I, I was not aware of it. Sounds um, like a band. But I do know he's been on WEI, and I guess they've changed their programming. There you around. go. That, that's what tripped me up. I, I, right? wasn't, I had never heard of it either. The floor is yours, Greg. <laughs> uh, and he had a different tone, which was – talking about complimentary football, saying we won a Super Bowl 13-3, and that was good. We lost the Super Bowl 41-33. Uh, that wasn't good. So I don't know how many points I'm going to need. It's a complimentary game. And I and I do think he's you know, distraught and disappointed. You come out of a bye week, and the Eagles defense handed it to them, and he wants this offense to be great because he's not used to coaching a mediocre offense. Then again, I do think what he's saying about complimentary football informs what they do. He doesn't throw interceptions. He gives up on plays amazingly quickly. I mean, he does not risk anything. They are fourth in the league in fewest turnovers, uh, and that's largely because of Tom Brady. He doesn't take sacks because he doesn't really take hits. He doesn't take interceptions. Aaron Rodgers plays a very similar style. He's much more athletic, but he plays a similar style. You know, he's not trying to put the defense in a bad situation. I believe that, that he is kind of playing to the defense where he's not being as aggressive because he knows they're good. But that's got to be humbling, and he doesn't want it to stay that way when you're used to rolling up points with Rob Gronkowski every year. They usually pick up steam in December, and last year it was they found their running game with Sony Michelle, and they were putting over 100 on everybody to complement that defense, and I think that's what you're talking about with complementary football. The running game is the worst Isaiah, I've ever seen. You get now. Isaiah Winback, who is the most talked about two games played in his life <laughs> left tackle I've ever heard. Shaq Mason played way better. When you got Marshall Newhouse every week out there, you're just like, okay, hopefully a first-round pick can help. You, you get improvement out of Shaq Mason and you get Isaiah Winback, and maybe Sony Michelle starts making people miss again. Maybe you get a running back. Maybe you get a running game. Who knows? Can you can you give me one now? Can you give me the floor is yours? Dan, the floor is now yours. Egon. <laughs> it's I, over. How many times have we done this? This right. is the year. No. Egon. I wanted no, there him. are whispers, and, and we've talked about on our show that he Egon. is headed to I wanted to, him to, to retire the at the end of last Charger. year. They've, they've won enough. I don't want to see any uh, – any bad decline that, years, just leave. That is fine. The, that is the high watermark of like <laughs> so condescending Patriots fandom. It's that you just want Tom Brady to retire. No one else seems where any to other agree. team. Any I other... just don't want an ugly end. He's but you good. agree that absurd. He gone. I don't. I think they could win without. You know, they could certainly win when he's gone too. As Why a off a Super but... Bowl win where he he looked fine in the playoffs for the most part? He's not the same guy physically. Would you want him gone? I mean, that just seems a little bit like you've been given you've too achieved, much as a they, Patriot. Yes, fan. of course they've won too much. They've achieved it all. Let's move on to the next era. <laughs> Moving on to the next Patriots story. Gronk will not be there to help out uh, Tom Brady this season. He had a uh, you know a, a painfully uh, transparent announcement scheduled for 9 a.m. Uh, this morning. And as pretty much everyone expected, it wasn't an announcement that he'd be coming back to the NFL, but rather that he is in the business of partying. Let's listen to a little bit of that. Time out. This is a bad game plan, bro. You're still in the prime of your partying career. Listen, this isn't just some club event. This is a festival centered around you. Featuring you could turn it down a little bit, Ricky, but keep it on. Um, I just, I get it, Gronk. I get it. Like, you, you're a businessman now. Can we stop hammering this so hard? It's like Kyle Shanahan with the flat brim cap. But we're talking about it. It's working. I mean, no, but it's like, has anyone want you to talk about more 
that he's not just a football player. He's a businessman. We get it. Enjoy your party. That's what this is. It's a Gronk party at Miami for the Super Bowl. Kevin Patra tweeted at me, said, are you going to resurrect the Super Bowl party beat, which I once covered for this website? I will not be. I will not be at the Gronk Beach. Getting some Firefest vibes from. Uh, oh, that would be so great. From Gronk Fest, just pe- people <laughs> so people good. stranded looking for food, cheese sandwiches. Yeah. So you, uh, Dan, you've given up on the idea that he's coming back. Yeah, I'm taking the L on that. But you know what? I still, even when I made the sandwich prop that Gronk will play by December, I knew it was a win-win situation. Either I lose a sandwich, or Gronk doesn't play. In the, and I and don't as you to, say, he gone. He gone. And since That's we never, since we never actually exchange sandwiches, right. you don't lose anything. <laughs> um, and one more note, he does said at the, say at the end of that infernal video that he uh, he's done playing this year. So he'll be back with the Patriots next year. I'll put another sandwich on that. I'll double down. Maybe he's taking a look at that New England offense and saying, I don't want to be a part of that. Anyone yeah. would take me on a sandwich? Okay, okay, okay. Ah, why not? Up, Maybe Rob. we call an audible. Shut up, Rob. Just for this year. <laughs> <laughs> what a goober. Um, a chooch he is. Uh, you take me up on that? Sure. I doesn't mean, have to be with the Patriots. He's playing in the NFL sure. next year. You said he's a businessman. That's what that comment was. Maybe next year, whatever. Give I'll me take you on that. That's fair. Okay. I mean, why not? Gronk playing next year? Sure, I'll take you on it. That's a win-win, too, for me. You know, <laughs> If he comes back, that'd be great. Uh, finally in the news, this also popped up Sunday. The, the Redskins had a, a disheartening loss to the Jets at home. Greg, you mentioned it. Uh, there was even a uh, uh, Thomas Boswell, I believe, wrote a column calling it the low point in the team's history. Nobody at the game. They've lost the city. Uh, well, it got worse because there was a sideline video that kind of went viral by the local NBC affiliate down there uh, that showed uh, Dwayne Haskins, who's obviously had a tough go of it so far uh, in his rookie season. He doesn't have a lot of help. Um, imploring his teammates uh, as he's taking a beating against the Jets. I think he was sacked five times. Uh, What can I do to help you? What can I do to help you? And the linemen, for the most part, are just kind of sitting there. And that led to a lot of speculation, Greg, both ways that this was a bad look for Haskins. This is a bad look for the Redskins. Well, we uh, the offensive line, we don't really know the whole story between the interaction and everything around what's going on behind the scenes there. But in general, it's just yet another kind of this is a, mm. a, a not a great time in the history of the Washington Redskins. I, I don't know. I thought it was fascinating. You're going to say it's a great time in the history of the no, Redskins? No, no, no. I just mean the video. <laughs> the video, I didn't put any higher. Oh, it wasn't a to. great video. Bro, wasn't great. I, I felt like I needed to know more about the context. I didn't have any like hot takes, good or bad. I just found it interesting to watch. I think it's not like great, great podcast fodder, but like I don't know. I feel like I need to know more like of their relationship, and that's maybe that's a pretty Wes, normal tell me thing what to, to happen. I, I put this on par with what Greg has said about telling teams what they should do with injured players. The disconnect between what you're seeing thousands of miles away on a video out of context versus what's going on on a sideline during the game. You can't make heads or tails of it. I think I don't think you can sit there and, and translate what's going on on the It was sideline. one where I wanted to hear what ex-players said. And interestingly, there were, I feel like, equal people on both sides who thought it was great and th- or thought it was terrible, that you have to earn that, and a, a whole what, gamut. I mean, I made, this may be someone, it's a veteran teammate right now with him, Morgan Moses said that it was him just trying to figure out because we're a veteran group 
Well, we've uh, Daniel. Look at me. You want me to come up with a different take? That he's also. No, I don't need anybody on my side on this. Okay. I, I saw it. I, saw. I don't think it's. I. I don't think it's. I think that the Redskins have been an absolute train wreck. They are running the most bland offense that do that does nothing to help a, a rookie quarterback. And he was probably out of his shell, trying literally trying to plead with these guys. Let's wake up and and get some advice. So what did you see, Dan? An offensive line that wants nothing to do with that quarterback? Is that I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. I just thought in general there was there seemed to be there wasn't a lot of passion. There wasn't a team working together. I think it was thirty four to three at the time. It was. And there was So they rallied. You know, they rallied That's behind Haskins a week to week problem that. for the Reds. There was so. a telling moment the watch the video at the very end. Haskins pleading for any type of feedback. He gets very little of it. There's even a lineman that you could Greg, you even said it yourself. It looked like he kind of rolled his eyes almost. There's one guy who was and clearly then, just kind of, what? That, but that's not a good look. And then at the very end of the video, Haskins essentially just turns and almost in a dejected uh, way, body language-wise, walks away. He's like, I went to these guys. How can we fix this? How can, can I help you in terms of the protection, get the ball quicker, make better decisions? There was no back and forth about how do we fix this, and he just walked away. Nothing solved. Although they did score points. Right, and they did score the next couple of times they had the ball. If, if having a coworker like disinterested in what you say was a like a killer <laughs> flaw, like I would have been out of this company about 50,000 different times. Right, I think in that situation, 34-3 to three, after a long season and a long decade, any rookie quarterback, no matter his personality or whatever, in that situation is going to get the same treatment. I usually have interest in things, unless you start talking about tennis. That's the only time I kind of start to – Zone out. I know. I, I try not to. You know, Dan. I guess yeah. maybe you're on a thread where like the Jets are quarterback wreckers, and they, you know, they go from city to city destroying offenses. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that either. Uh, I don't. I don't know what that means, but uh, it is a bad sign when the Jets are wrecking you in the backfield because they can't get to anything. Not a great sign. Uh, all right, it's back. Maybe for the last time ever. So make sure you enjoy this, everyone. Um, Greg had detailed, copious notes of that he he had. He had ended it. He tried to get us to sign a contract that we weren't comfortable with. I don't know what you're talking about. So we moved We moved the conversation uh, to another room. It's this studio. It's stick a fork in them. Reboot. I'm just happy to remember something better than someone else. It's a first. <laughs> so what is, uh, as I said at the top of the show, this is when we go through, uh, we go through the league and we make a strong, strong, strong declaration. Uh, that a, f- a finite decision, does that make sense? That their season is over when we bring up a team. Well, and, and we had to, when we did it, we would occasionally bring up, you know, just one or two teams a week and have a long discussion. We're pretty deep into this podcast. The key, though, was it had to be unanimous. Because it's got to be unanimous. That was what, there was a lot of, a lot of, Hurt feelings over the year. You know, uh, it's tough to get already, that unanim- unanimous uh, agreement. I can already tell you how this is going to go. Mark and I, any team that is borderline <laughs> boring to watch, we want them forked, and Greg's going to save them. All right, let's see how let's see how it plays out. And I'll, I'll use uh, <laughs> the power rankings as a guide here. So uh, we'll start 28 to 32. Bengals, Redskins, Giants, Dolphins, Bucks. Everybody in favor of the fork? Yeah. Uh, Bengals yes. officially eliminated. Hang on. <laughs> C- Cynthia Freeland. What? Three and seven? They're done? No, the Bengals. Bengals. Oh, sorry. sorry. Bengals. The Bucks. Cynthia's uh, coming on Thursday, right? She's joining us. So She's going to be on re- our, our, a mini pod. On our uh, recap. So, you know, we can break that news. She said that she had to put that the Bengals had a 1% chance and all the teams at the bottom had a 1% chance 
uh, going into last week, even though they had 0% chance that the NFL was making her say that there was zero, you know, even though the math said if you round it down, you round it down to zero. We'll have to ask her about that. That to me is, so they had no chance a while back. They asked her to compromise her model. Wait, so it wasn't zero. It was like. No, yeah, it was like point, it was like point you know, one or point oh oh one, and so she had to put because I was like one percent for the Bengals. That seems high. Like go, they were oh and nine. How could it even be one percent? If there's a chance, there's a chance. <laughs> all right. So all in favor of the fork for those teams, say aye. aye, aye, aye. What a what a time it's been as a Jameis. It's a lot more debate over the Bengals than I expected right there. I didn't catch an eye. What's from the Greg state about. of your, the union on your fandom for Jameis? Oh, it, it's over. <laughs> Whoa, that's big news. Are you in favor of the fork? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Good. All right. Is your daughter still a fan? 27. Mm. 27. She's never a fan of Jameis. She just liked Uh, the uniforms, the name. 27 to 23. We got the Jets. I like that they got out of this uh, last group. That was cute. (laughs) Back-to-back wins, baby. Cute. Cardinals, Lions, (laughs) Broncos. uh, Broncos. So Broncos, Lions, Cardinals, Jets. I'm in favor of forking them all. It would have been interesting if the Broncos had finished off that Vikings game and been four and six, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Goners, everyone. They gone. They gone. All right. So so far, so good, Greg. I thought you were going to make your push for the Jets there. That's why they got out of the, the bottom tier. Uh, they're not. I mean, they're 27th out of 32. They're only one game behind the Browns, who we're going to talk about, I suspect. Uh, Browns have a tiebreaker on the Jets. All right, here we go. Next group. Although the Browns are gone. I mean, Thanks to that week two classic. I mean, the, yeah, the Jets are three and seven. It's pretty tough. All right, next group. Bears. Falcons. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, Greg's Falcons. <laughs> Great, this will be a real test. <laughs> Browns. Jaguars. Chargers. Okay, well, I'm just going to jump in and say I would fork the Bears – and the Falcons, and the Chargers, who all have uh, – well, actually, the Bears only have six losses. The Falcons have seven. The Chargers have seven. I would fork all of them despite you – know, you know, the Falcons, I think, could be, make it interesting down the stretch. But they're in the wrong conference. At three and seven in the AFC, the way they're looking, I would maybe give them a chance. But right now, the Vikings are eight and three, yeah, they're and the Seahawks are eight and two. Worst case scenario, you need ten wins – I think it might. T- it's probably going to take 11 wins. I think the odds would say you're going to need 11 in the NFC. So even nine wouldn't get it done, even if they did, you know, run the table. They bang themselves with that one, that seventh loss before they've gotten hot. Even if they get super hot, it's probably doomed. So I'm surprised though. So you're going to fork the Falcons in a big spot. I will, just because I I legit think if they win eight straight, they're out. Which is, you know, it's well, a tough no, spot there to is be. still a. They would need the Saints to collapse. There's still a way if you do the ESPN playoff. Oh yeah, there's certainly eligible. they can get a second seed still. Now I, that is not happening. I am happily, I'm fine to fork the Falcons at this point. Too much self-inflicted wounds. All right, I am not comfortable forking your Browns yet, Mark. I will wait until uh, Sunday night. I noticed Greg did not have them on his list of approved teams for forking. Right. I, uh, I'm with Dan. I would not want to fork them because their schedule. Their schedule is cake. It, you know, if Garrett hadn't been suspended, I think there'd be a real feel that they're going to, that they can beat Miami this week and that the Pittsburgh game is the toughest game they have until they play the Ravens, I think, in week 16. So that Pittsburgh game would have been the key one for them. I still don't think they're out of it. And I also talking about this with Mark this morning and looking at the standings, 
Maybe 11 wins is what you need to get a wild card in the NFC, but we always seem to shoot a little high with that. I think a 10-win team will probably get in the NFC. That means the Vikings, which could happen. Don't, Vikings and the Seahawks would have to go two. They'd have to go under 500 the rest of the way. Don't rule out a 9-17 and 17 making it in the AFC. I Absolutely. think everyone just assumes, oh, Absolutely. you got to get to 10. But the Browns can get to 9. And like at 4-6 and six with a soft schedule, now they could also lose three in a row right now. I, I They're a hard team to figure out, but they will have – uh, Mark, as you pointed out to me, they played the Bills. So they have the tiebreaker on the Bills. If they win, uh, must win against the Steelers, basically. If they win that game, they sweep the Steelers, and they'll have the tiebreaker there. And then you have a real shot at things. Mm. Well, and I would add that you've got teams that two weeks ago looked like they were heading in the right direction, like the Chargers that suddenly are 4-7 and seven and heading in the wrong direction. Some of the trash is heading downward in the AFC. You need the Raiders and or the Bills, one of those teams, to to stumble, but I think that's very... We'll get to the Bills, but their schedule is not pleasant. Would you fork the Browns, Wes? I would not fork the Browns. Right, I, so I agree. Unanimous the there. AFC is too weak, and the schedule is too weak. Uh, Where are we at on the Jaguars, though? Yeah. I don't trust... The, I think they're playing the wrong quarterback, and I know I went back on that and said I understand why they're playing fools, but especially with this offensive line, I just like... Mm, took a lot of hits. Gardner Minshew's playing style with this team better. I'm going to keep them alive. I don't feel great about it. This is definitely a dirt nap game in Tennessee mm. where I think uh, on Sunday the loser loser goes home. Loser goes home because if the Titans lose, they'll have gotten swept by the Jaguars. Jacksonville won that game uh, with Minshew Mania. On I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys in the sense that, and I'm on record on this pod not being as big a fan as you guys are, but if, they, if Foles doesn't move the needle on offense two weeks in a row, I mean, it might be too re- too late if they're four. And I mean, seven, their defense right? has to play a lot better. They need a lot to do better, but they do not have an imposing schedule. They the best team they play the rest of the season, record wise, are the Colts and the Raiders. So they really don't play any elite teams. Could they get on a little run here? I think they could. Their season is on the line Thursday night. You might see Minshew at halftime if things were really, really going south. Sunday. Sunday. Night. Sunday night. Sunday day. Sunday. Please say Sunday day. Sunday, yeah, well, yeah. Sunday day, yeah. They actually, oh, they're flexing. Uh, Jack, Scare me. Flags. <laughs> yeah. Robot broken down. Jack, they're like, hey, uh, you liked one primetime Jags-Titans <laughs> game. Let's give you two. Uh, we're forking the four and seven uh, Chargers. Yeah. Everybody? Ooh. I, Interesting. I mean, Rivers I, They're going to kill them. I'm not, I don't care who they play. They're going to find a way to Couldn't lose you see them another be, two or three Couldn't you see them seven and seven next month? I don't even know. I have to look at their schedule. At it's Denver, just kind of the Chargers way. At Denver, at Jacksonville. Home versus the Vikings, home versus the Raiders at Kansas City. That is not what you would call an easy schedule. No. Seven and seven and then lose out. I mean, they'll find um, a way to get your heart back. I think they are more I think they're more likely to go five and eleven than they are eight all and right. eight. You got me convinced. I'll fork them. You guys all on board? All right. Mark? I didn't know Dan was going to. I I am happy to fork as many teams <laughs> as we can get consensus on. He's I, just a, he's just like permanent fork. Well, it's like we can mathematically get everyone back involved if we want. You still have just to pay attention to these games for the podcast, though. I have paid games. attention to yes. every single game from the beginning of oh, the year until we now. That. We know that. Okay. There are no questions about that. All right. Well, now eight. Now it gets interesting. This is where the That's challenge the first really surprising begins. result to me that that we decided the Chargers season is over. Well. I mean, oh, it ended last. Said night. it last. I said it uh, before that game. They needed to win one of those games. They needed to either beat the Raiders on the road or the Chargers in Mexico or the Chiefs in Mexico City. They didn't do it. I've seen too. Got to go home. I've seen too much. To quote Shaq, just remember, we didn't do this to you. You did this. To you. <laughs> All right, now it gets tough. Titans. I'm going 18 to 14 here. Um, 
Titans, five and five. Panthers, five and five. Hmm. Steelers, five and five. Colts, six and four. Bills, seven and three. Well, there's one obvious team here to me that is easy to fork. It's, I don't know. I'm going to see if can you guys guess which one I Panthers. think is obvious. It's the Panthers. Right. Gotta go. They go. Yep. In the NFC, no that team. I, I think with their just what they got, eight and eight would be a good outcome for them. And if I'm sticking with my theory that a nine and seven team gets into the AFC, well, then I cannot eliminate the Titans, who will go nine and seven as they always do. The Panthers play. The Saints twice the rest of the way. They play at Indy. They play Seattle. Yeah, and yeah. they play Greg's Juggernaut, the Falcons. We're just we're sticking a knife in too. Yeah, fork and a knife. <laughs> Anybody want to fork the Titans? No, they could no, still win that yet. division. Yeah, no, they could. All right, I'm with you. Uh, Steelers, bad Thursday night. Uh, <laughs> Rudolph could not have played worse in that in that stage. Uh, but I'm not ready to fork them. Won't do it. Now this is one where I, I would. I would fork him. I would. Uh, what, what is it like an emotional fork? I'm thinking, I'm trying to look at the the right never word. fork with emotion, bro. I'm trying to look at the a spiteful fork, just because <laughs> I, I have the same. Feeling. Yeah, just because like Mason Rudolph. You know the the story about him is obviously what happened last week, but that did you know overshadow us having to watch him play football for three hours before that, which was one of the worst performances. Uh, we've seen it was really what you know, it kind of ruined Wes's like moment to crow about how right he was. I don't about need Mason to crow Rudolph. about Mason Rudolph, but I will say that my doctor faulty is, narrative, by the way, but go on. My doctor is a huge Steelers fan and and he I could tell he was just waiting for me to tell him that everything's going to be all right. He said, well, what do you think of our quarterback? And I was like, well, let me unpack this one. For you. <laughs> oh, now, no. their schedule is definitely a plus for them. And that's what Steelers fans have been uh, holding on to all year, along with their defense. They do not play. They play the Bills and the Ravens are the only two teams with winning records on their schedule. Uh, so they they look at that Browns game and they see a winnable game, just like the Browns do. You know, that, well, and that Bills what... is a tiebreaker game. I mean, if they were, to, I the the Steelers have damaged me so many times over the years, and it's with it, they haven't had seasons like this. But you want to count them out, and they're ultra resilient of and this group. Find, yeah, they sorry, find a I, way to to eke back in. So I struggle to fork them. There's still a chance that Duck Hodges will make his way onto the field and save this season. Their defense is the best thing about any of these teams in this in this tier. So yeah, that they they do have a a real strength. Um, all right, moving to the Colts. I think we all agree the Colts at six and four. I think we're done. They're in uh, first place. The Bills at seven and three. Uh, how about the Eagles at five and five? Because I'm ready to Ooh. fork them. Wow. A little bit of an emotional fork. That's but an emotional that's fork. That's all right. Spite fork. Five and five. They can't They can't uh, score, and I don't see reinforcements this, on the way in Philly. And that Schedule division is so easy. They're not going to win the division. The Dallas is going to take the East, and then we're right back to that same conversation that at least 10 wins is going to get you a playoff spot, and they're five and five right now. They're going to go five, win a five of six to close this thing? I don't it, know about that. Uh, I think the Cowboys – who you know who have to play New England? They both have tough games this Sunday. It's a big NFC East game. The, the Cowboys are in Foxborough, and the Eagles have to host the Seahawks. So that you know that could go either way for for those teams. But I still think the Eagles are going to be right in it in Week 16. They they have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the it day. is Dolphins, Giants twice, and Redskins sandwiched around. Those are four uh, wins, I think. I think so too. And they have in week sixteen they played the Cowboys. Like if they ever won that, because they, the team you, definitely lose to the Giants once. Sure, and it, and 
I think Sunday's game against Seattle's huge. I, I, to me, that's close to a coin flip in Philadelphia. I think they certainly have a chance to win that. I would like to do the emotional fork, but they, this schedule's too easy. So the Eagles survive. So we can, so so that was. I mean, they're only of... one game behind the Cowboys, right? Yeah. All right. Let me read the list of teams that are forked: the Cincinnati Bengals, the Washington Redskins, the New York Giants, the G-Men. Miami Dolphins, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New York Jets, <laughs> Arizona Cardinals, Detroit Lions, Denver Broncos. Your eyes roll back into the back of his head when he bites you. <laughs> Chicago Bears, Stop Bears, they gone. Atlanta Falcons, sorry, Greg. The Jacksonville Jaguars. No, we didn't kill them. <laughs> no. Apologies. They're alive. <laughs> They're alive. <laughs> the Los Angeles Super Chargers. They go. The Carolina Panthers. See. That's it. <laughs> Can you say the New York Jets one more time in that person's New York bingo? Jets. <laughs> Get him, guy in green. Get hit him, Joseph. So there you go. We forked, and and uh, Greg has. Oh yeah, he's ta- he's taking notes. <laughs> hey, Mark, the Browns are going to make the playoffs. Give us a hard oh, answer. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, he believes. I that is accurate. Maybe. Uh, if so we which, get any of these wrong, it, this segment goes away forever. Who's Greg most, does a little jig. Who's most likely to come back to bite us? I don't think we took enough chances. Well, we could have we could have forked the Eagles. The Eagles would be the team most likely. Jaguars. So you guys don't want to. Change your minds on that? Come on, guys. Put make, make it, back let's in make it interesting and fork the Eagles. No, I don't want to. Oh. That, that, that'd be the last team. Uh, who, there was maybe one team out there that we were a little bold, but not really. Oh, yeah, you got, no, you saved the Steelers. Yeah, I'm not forking Don't the get on me. I've forked the Steelers. Let's do it. Let's get bold. Fork all of Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> no, can't do it. Won't do it. I could be talked into it, too. Bills? Talked into it. You'd be Fork the Bills at seven and three, <laughs> no. just to get the people of Western New York riled up. <laughs> the Rams. I mean, this is saying their season. Oh, you want to get bold? Oh, we don't I like the Rams. Let's fork the Rams right this minute. Right this minute. This is right. This is saying the season's over. Yep. You're right underground. Down. That's six and four. I'm not forking them. Right. Fork the Rams. I would have right done it. Now. I would have done it. All right. Before we get out of here, Thursday night football preview. A huge matchup in the AFC South. Colts at Texans. Uh, Colts coming off a win, but also a loss. They lost Marlon Mack, who has a a fractured hand, and it's the hand that he carries the football with. No bueno. Uh, So one of their best players. In fact, some people might be – I know not the people in this studio because you guys – I've never met people more plugged into the sport. Uh, But some people might be surprised to know that Marlon Mack is the number five rusher in the NFL. He's had that type of impact uh, on this offense, so he goes out. Now, there is good news, though, Wes. In his place, a man that ran for 116 yards on nine yards per tote, Jonathan Williams, the old spice rack. Uh, Spice rack pounded the table for Williams uh, come draft time a few years back. It was the only name we could extract from him in a a half an hour phone call. What a nightmare. A sixth-round pick of the Bills. A six-round performance by Spice Rack that day. But, uh, yes, he, he actually he got himself into some trouble, as I recall, and then 
had a tryout, was it with the Jets? And then he's bounced all spoke over to the media about oh, yeah, the Spice, Spice like- Rack's been in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked, I did uh, contact Spice Rack about the Jonathan Real- Williams. Uh, re- oh, we know what's resur- your contact, contact resurgence, and he said it, it gave him some pep in his step out, uh, on nice. Sunday. Nice, he was Good. excited. To That's be. well deserved. After a long Sunday of results coming in, did he need a pep in his step? I think Saturday was is probably oh. more the problem. Seems Ouch. more like a, a Saturday guy. I feel like if if your wife, uh, Emika, ever checked your phone bill and saw the same number coming up over and over again, she would be a little bit worried. And they'd be like, no, no, that's Spice Rack. I mean, we've definitely never spoken on the phone. Uh, <laughs> it's like you guys are in text- contact a lot. I like this phone bill scenario in 2019. <laughs> I didn't even know this still existed. I, I mean, that never I happened to, to me, Brady. but can you imagine? Uh, I don't know. I can't speak for you guys, but... That was like a number one way to get busted if you were uh, being, uh, you know, unpure in yeah, a relationship. Yeah, you have a well. Or I would even say going back to when, like, you'd have a long distance girlfriend in the early high school period, and suddenly the parents like, why are there a hundred and two hundred and ninety dollar charges to Glastonbury, Connecticut? Because mm. I love her. <laughs> that didn't that didn't hold much water. Um. Anyway. Thoughts on this game, guys? It's, it's hard to preview this game because there's so many names up in the air, starting with wide receivers. T.Y. Hilton, I believe, is not practicing on Tuesday. Will Fuller is not practicing for the Texans on Tuesday. Two key components. I mean, T.Y. Hilton is, I, I mean, along with Quentin Nelson, the most important player on this offense, I think. I'd give him a week. I know I'm not allowed to say that around these parts. <laughs> but rushing a guy back for Thursday night when he's not right is almost a – Almost always a recipe for exits the game early in the second quarter. I bet he wants to play because he always destroys the he team. He does. Right. Unbelievable numbers against Jacksonville lifetime. And, you know, this is a game that Indianapolis, at an earlier point in the season, we thought this division was going to kind of start going towards the Texans. They came into Indianapolis with a head full of steam, and they got beat, which happens a lot. With The Colts have surprised us. The Texans are coming off a very concerning performance. I mean, Deshaun Watson – had a terrible game against Baltimore. I think it's okay. Like, good, great players can play poorly. He was inaccurate. Kirk Cousins does all right, the time. Right, it happens. You know, he, he was inaccurate. And more importantly, I think, like, the communication on the offensive line of recognizing where pressure is coming from, they were pretty scrambled uh, up front of, of knowing where the pressure. And a lot of those sacks were on Watson. Maybe it's just a one-game blip. I, I just worry that this Texans defense does not have enough juice, which is why I don't feel confident in picking them. even You give them a little edge at home, but if you take out J.J. Watt, there's a, a stat on ESPN called pass rush win rate. When he's not on the field, they are 31st in the league oh. in terms of pass rush win rate. And I think well, the Bengals are the only team that's worse. Yeah, the Texans also, they were, they were battered in that loss to the Ravens. Justin Reed, concussion. Mike Adams, concussion. Lonnie Johnson, a bad ankle injury. I th- when I go back and look at what happened the first time, along with some of the offensive numbers, was Darius Leonard doing what Darius Leonard does: ten tackles and a game-clinching interception, and being a total difference maker. And he's healthy right now, and he's the kind of guy that I could imagine on TNF blowing up. Yeah, he he spoke about it that he's come on really strong. He had a tough start to the year, made a lot of mistakes, was getting beaten coverage, was struggling. He admitted it, and he has been on fire the last couple of weeks, and so has Justin Houston. They do have he's some been, players coming along on the Colts defense. Justin Houston was a home run signing. He's been fantastic this he's year. He's had a sack every week for the past five weeks, though. 
It's outrageous. It's on fire. It's pretty Just good. Brissett had four touchdowns the last time they Jacoby's had. It wasn't that long. 15 to 4 touchdown interception ratio. You know, he's crafty in the red zone. Give Jacoby Brissett some love. I thought we don't count those stats around these parts. What? Touchdown versus interception. Since when? I thought those were stats that we don't look at to judge whether a quarterback's playing well. I count them. Says I, so. I was I, told that last Thursday. You were, but what? Saying when the film tells you drastically different than what the numbers well, say. Well, that's all I'm what, saying. Trust your eyes. No, none of us remember well, it though. So you got to give us more context. Talking about Mason Rudolph, I think he was 11 and two going into. Uh, yeah, well, that was well, yeah. that was clearly not matching what the film was showing. Um. All right. So, wait. One quick question: Which yes. coach? Which coach do you trust if this game is tight? Frank Reich, Bill O'Brien, better coach. I. Bill O'Brien got out coached last week. I like Bill O'Brien as a coach a lot. He got out Lamar Jackson in my mind. I don't know. Bill O'Brien is not Jackson. liked around these parts. I understand that. But no, I don't. I just said I like Bill O'Brien a lot. That's why I'm asking. That's why it's it's a legit question. <laughs> it's a legit question. I'm not just setting that was the just, bank, right? That was just uh, happened to be a one-two punch. That I didn't feel nice. like getting into another Bill O'Brien argument. But, uh, no, I, I love the Texans in this game. like Frank Reich a lot. Great coach. But uh, – I, I don't trust the Texans as much as I would have liked, uh, would have thought about a month ago, but also J.J. Watt exiting the lineup really has shaken my confidence with them. But I still think at home in a game they really need. I think Watson coming off a game where he played poorly, he loves it in prime time. I think we get a big Watson game. I, I, almost, I was leaning towards maybe locking this up. I'm not going to, but uh, because they are a little up and down right now in terms of the season. Uh, but I love the Texans this game. Anybody else Anybody else agree with me? Or is I, I, I'm going to have to pick this game because I have to do it for uh, game picks. And I will take the Texans. I don't feel great with about With the wood it. or just outright? Laying wood. No, <laughs> I think it'll be closer. I think whatever it is, the Texans are decent oh, yeah. favorites. I'll make it a one or two point. Yeah, you know, that's the way of. Split, so you pick the Texans too, Mike. I don't know. Why even be on the show at this point? Split the. I, I'm though. going Houston because they are going to split with the Colts. There's no way they're getting swept by Indianapolis. It's going to feel too lopsided if all four of us go with the Texans because it feels like a go kind of a, a coin flip game. But feels I good. don't trust the Colts' firepower if Ty. T.Y. Hilton doesn't play, and Marlon Mack doesn't play. Right. I, like, looked up, and I was like, how did they score 33 points in this game? 35 points in this game, the Colts. It's always it's always a mystery. I guess it's the offensive line. It's the coaching. The defense is a little better than the sum of its parts. They'll be played pretty well. Make, here's what I like to or see. Or the Texans seem to break down every third game. <laughs> yeah. I, how how about let's see some deep let's see some deep shots to DeAndre Hopkins. This has been a team that does not have a vertical element, which is shocking to me because Deshaun Watson throws such a great great deep ball, but it just hasn't been there for them. Well, Fuller is always so much more important to that offense than you think he would be. All right. Let's get some plugs in. Greg, the debrief. Debrief. I mean it depends how you want to say it. I, go, I would go debrief, yeah. NFL Ducks. What was the hook of the debrief, debrief this week? Wasn't really a hook. Just kind of nice. some, some takeaways. It, <laughs> some good uh, week 12 takeaways. Who's MVP? Who's number one? I do. Ha- I have, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, Lamar. I think there's a nice gap there after those two. Give me but, some I, Dak. but I have Dak number three, yeah. Aaron Rodgers four. Like it. And let's throw in wide receiver Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints. Defenses yeah. know he's coming. They can't stop him. CMC out of the top five entirely now. That hurts, but I get it. See, Michael Great. Thomas, I, I was like, why did Michael Thomas like my uh, article? And I was like, oh, someone someone <laughs> let him know. He's mentioned there. Mm. Mark Sessler on my radar. What a column. And you are – what I like what you're doing lately, Mark, um, more high-concept ideas of late. And what is it this week? I mean, we are – 
we're deep into the year, so I have to come up with reinvent the the wheel every week. It seems like with for something, but <laughs> I came up with something called the joy meter, which goes from zero to one hundred, and it's things that are making me ex- extremely in case in some cases me extremely happy. And I did a mea culpa in the sense that uh, with Lamar Jackson, you know, inside of me, I wanted to push against the Ravens and push against the whole idea of them going to the Super Bowl again. Oh yeah, and he. <laughs> is too fun to watch. So he got the highest grade. And then I put one out there for the Bears fans who get a four out of 100 because it's been about as mm. bad of a season as you could mm. imagine. Good stuff, Mark. Wow. But- I'm going to give like an eight on the joy meter to the press release that the Ravens released today where Marty Morningweg, who no longer works for the team, had to go against a Michael Lombardi podcast for you know <laughs> making him look like a bad guy for not believing in Lamar Jackson. That's my – I get joy out of ridiculous things like this. <laughs> Okay. Wes, you got anything coming up this week? Uh, I talked to my editor. (laughs) That's my favorite part of the show. What's going on with you and Ali, the relationship? Where are we at? Uh, I think we're okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I like Ali. Would you put one to 100 in terms of strength of the relationship right now? Uh, Or joy meter. Joy meter. 84. Wow. Wow, that's pretty That's positively joyful. Yeah. Yeah. Ali and I are friends. I like him. Uh, It might be comeback player of the year candidates this week. Ooh, I like that a lot. And, um, of course, I have the power rankings. And, Ricky, what about you? Yeah, uh, League One, (laughs) Fantasy League One. That's on uh, tonight at 745 Eastern, 445 Pacific. Stream it live. More than just Potters. NFL.com. NFL.com slash Fantasy League One. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch yeah. it on the NFL YouTube. There's tons of tons of ways to watch it. Very nice. And check out our Instagram, you guys. The likes keep coming in. And actually, I will post links to all of the guys' articles with swipe ups on our Ooh. Instagram stories. So check that out. Damn. Erica's gunning for that Commissioner's Award. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. That's... Well, we've got to nominate her, and we will after hearing that we're getting some swipe up action. Yeah. yeah you, as soon as you guys are like, oh, my articles no all right excited <laughs> all right let's go this is dan hansis signing off for quiet storm the mailman the old boss ricky hollywood rick hollywood some caller <laughs> till thursday <laughs>